0: Well, the latest in the BC NDP saga for its leadership race has disqualified candidate Anjaliya Paterai, saying that she will stick with the NDP. Now, she was the only challenger to David Eby, who is now set to become next party leader and next premier. For more, I'm joined by longtime campaigner and former executive director of Lead Now, Sonia Thoreau. Hello, Sonia. Hello, Raji. So, Sonia, in the Cull report, there was this a thorough outline of what Apatari and Dogwood, I should mention, did that would be considered unallowable in their campaign, an effort to recruit new members to the party. And then Apatari and Dogwood said that they didn't act with poor intentions. They said that they were doing what they thought they were allowed to do. But they ultimately did not comply with the rules. And I think throughout all of this, people have been wondering, and I'm putting this to you because you're someone who has uh, been a financial agent, third party in elections. How familiar do you think candidates are with electoral finance rules?
1: I think when you're new to politics, there's a steep learning curve to learn those rules. I do know that third parties like Jogwood and Lead Now have to do their due diligence in terms of reading the, the financial guides. If you really want to learn more, you go right into the act. Um, and then there's usually a lot of correspondence between campaigns or whether third party or, or, or new candidate and Elections BC. Uh, often what happens is you'll put together a scenario, send it to Elections BC, and ask, am I in compliance here? Because when it comes to the the rules that that speak to collusion they're incredibly gray and you need that extra guidance of either a lawyer uh in your camp or or you go straight to elections bc and say okay i understand this this and this but this is what we're doing and it feels gray can you give me guidance and i don't know for sure but i would be very surprised if dogwood hadn't done that so i i suspect they thought they were operating within the rules noting that there is quite a gray zone that's open to interpretation
0: So that's really interesting. If there is a gray zone that's open to interpretation, and in fact, that checks out with what I've heard from political scientists, we had Hamish Telford on saying something very similar. If there is that gray zone and they are checking in with election BC, would there not be a track record of that correspondence with elections BC where elections BC would lay out very clearly if yes, this was okay or no?
1: I would hope so. And that really depends on whether or not they did this by phone or by email. When I've advised campaigns, I say, put it in an email, make sure you have a sure. paper trail.
0: yes. Uh, and
1: that that's coming from a place of, uh, you know, uh, knowing what happens if you have acted outside of the act. It can be very intimidating, even in small ways. So it's always on, uh, it behooves you to be extra, extra vigilant.
0: So I guess what I'm getting at is is there a way that a Padurai could have not known at all that she was breaking rules or was she choosing to maybe act blissfully ignorant there i
1: I suspect that the so much of what the report was referencing was from the August 6th meeting My impression in that meeting is that it was ignorance versus collusion and Interestingly, it's unfortunate that we won't get an Elections BC investigation because I think that would have provided closure Um, because Elections BC will actually weigh intent. They actually will look at whether or not you knew you were breaking rules or if this was ignorance because they've had to deal with so many people that are new to politics or they're volunteers that have stepped up abruptly and haven't done their due diligence yet to read the rules. So they would generally actually take in whether or not you were knowledgeable into um, into their jurisprudence.
0: And the same thing for another third party that the elections BC would weigh their intent?
1: Exactly. Yes. They it doesn't mean that they wouldn't um sanction you. But I would I would imagine that it is part of how they determine what types of sanctions to to dole out. Was this intentional breach? First of all, was it a breach? Uh second of all, was it intentional breach or was it done in ignorance?
0: Now, some people have taken a more, I would say, vindictive approach and said, you know what, you want to be a leader, you want to lead the province eventually, Uh, you should have done all due diligence beforehand, and there's no excuses whatsoever. How popular do you think that view is?
1: That's a good question. I will admit I've had a hard time gauging what the general public sentiment is on this because I interact with people heavily engaged one way or the other. Sure, yeah. So it's hard to say, but I mean... the the human mind will grasp the simplest story and, you know, someone cheated is generally the simplest story. I mean, and there's merit in the sense of you really need to do your due diligence and from what I understand of that August 6th meeting, they were very nascent. I don't think they had necessarily established a campaign and done the due diligence
0: at that point. So interesting. I'm going to play a clip uh, here for you just now. I maintain that from day one, our campaign strove to do things with integrity. We... Uh, we acted above board in every way. We used good old-fashioned organizing and not any kind of collusion or trickery to sign up the number of members that we did. And we were held retroactively responsible for the actions of other organizations. And that's something that I believe is unfair. And now I'm going to play you a clip from David Eby. I sent out a message to all the members of the NDP this morning, um, and I I want to uh, uh, share with them uh, the mixed feelings and the sadness uh, that many people have about how this leadership race ended. And so, Sonia, what do you think is next for the NDP in terms of their challenges?
1: Well, I think david e b's already taken some of the correct first steps in in taking a conciliatory tone in his correspondence uh, after the event and uh, I'm among a chorus of strategists that also you know lean climate activists just to be transparent that you know he should be taking a look at the platform she put together and seeing what he can absorb into his vision and finding ways to work with her and and I think that They really need to hear the call to action, which is you need to pay attention to your grassroots. This this dismissal of these new members um, as as illegitimate and fraudulent, I think was was probably the greatest mistake because on the one hand, you have a contestant. On the other hand, you have potentially tens of thousands of new members to your party. And when they, entered the race with something, I think, of the order of 11,000 members. For a governing party, that's a, a horribly low number, and I think that reflects how much they have lost their grassroots in recent years, not just because of climate, but for other reasons.
0: Yeah, it's going to be so interesting to watch all of this continue to play out. Sonia, thank you for your time today.
1: It was my pleasure. Thank you, Raji.